to Nothing to Say, the fans podcast. We have a couple of interesting topics to get to today. The first one that we're going to start with is what has been going down in the NFL, specifically with the Tennessee Titans and specifically with their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. So earlier in the week, Ryan Tannehill was asked about the Tennessee Titans uh, draft pick in the third round, which was uh, Malik Willis. And basically, the ooh, sorry, that was, a, <laughs> that was a text message. <laughs> sorry if you guys heard that. Um, anyway, he was asked about Malik Willis and pretty much about what his role as a, as a mentor was and asked if he was going to be um, like mentoring Malik at all. And this was his response. And I, this is from Yahoo Sports verbatim. He says, I don't think it's my job to mentor him. If he learns from me along the way, that's a great thing. So that was his response <clears throat> when he was asked about if he was going to be mentoring Malik Willis. Now, a lot of people have had strong opinions about this, honestly, on both sides, saying that Tannehill is just being super petty or they're saying, well, he really doesn't have to do that. So, Sam, I'm curious to see where you fall in this debate because I have kind of a split mentality about this. Yeah, I think Tannehill's just being honest there. Um, it, it's up to him. There's no blueprint. There's nothing in really in his contract that states that he's supposed to do that. But then at the same time, there is a sort of like a loyalty factor to the team to where you're supposed to treat your teammates like you're supposed to better all your teammates, right? Like you're, there's supposed to be these things that if he can give Malik Willis the tools to succeed, why would he withhold that information? That's another factor that that's at play here. If he doesn't feel that that's important, then he doesn't have to do it. It's definitely, it's, it's like, he's completely right. It's not his job, but at the same time, if I'm a teammate, teammate of his, I might think that that's a little, weird or off-putting that he would put that out there yeah so like i said and i i agree with you i think from a teammate standpoint that that is he might get some sideways looks i sort of like i mentioned earlier i sort of fall in the middle on this i think as ryan Tannehill, as um the player and as the quarterback of the tennessee titans no, he's not obligated to do that. I I agree with you in that. It, there's there, he he can choose to do it or he can choose not to. It's not really. I mean, his job is to win football games as the Tennessee Titans quarterback. He does not have to mentor any new quarterbacks. However, if he is looked at as a leader on the football team, then to me, after that press conference, he can no longer be looked at um, as a leader of the Tennessee Titans. Because if you are a leader, regardless of your position, it is your job to lead your entire team and to, yes, mentor the guys behind you. So as the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, no, he doesn't have to do that. But as a leader for the Tennessee Titans, yeah, he does. And honestly, I think in this case, the leader aspect, um, I mean, the leader side of this kind of trumps the quarterback side. I think he, I don't necessarily agree with this idea that he – shouldn't mentor i fully acknowledge that he doesn't have to so i'm not going to uh you know curse him for having that opinion but i don't agree with um him not doing it i think if the roles are reversed then if 
if you're coming into the league as a rookie, you would 100% appreciate somebody taking you under their wing. So I really think you have to look at it in that vein. You know what? And naturally he's going to, so there's a couple things that I want to say. First off, that's why there's a coaching staff. These guys are getting paid by the organization to coach and get players ready. That's why there's a quarterback coach. That's why there's an offensive coordinator to make sure that Malik Willis is ready to play when that time comes. That's technically not Ryan Tannehill's job, but in the same like breath, it's, it's about being like almost like a decent human and being a decent coworker, decent teammate of you never want that person to feel unwelcome, unprepared, uncomfortable in their own work environment. And if Ryan Tannehill can ease that, say, say Malik Willis is a cornerback or a safety. I bet Tannehill would do anything in his power to make sure that he is prepared, up to date, whatever. And I think it shouldn't really matter the fact that he's a quarterback either. I think that definitely shouldn't matter. And this isn't the first time we've seen an older quarterback get sort of their replacement drafted under them. Tom Brady with Garoppolo, Aaron Rodgers recently with Jordan Love. And I think both those guys were in the same camp of, hey, we're not here to mentor. But Jimmy Garoppolo learned a lot from Tom, even had a relationship with Tom a little bit. And Jordan Love seems like he's been able to soak up a little bit from being with Aaron Rodgers for two seasons now. So it's going to happen naturally, but I don't think you can just ignore the guy the whole time. Yeah. And I also, I think some people are blowing it a little bit out of proportion because just because he said he's not going to mentor Malik Willis. I mean, he very well could have a different definition in the sense that I feel like some people I've been reading into that, like he's just going to ignore Malik and be like, yeah, you're like, just, you're going to be left to fend for yourself. I seriously doubt he's like not going to speak to Malik. I'm sure when they're in the quarterback room, they're going to be very cordial with each other. They're all going to offer opinions and it's all going to be fine. So while he may not stay back for an extra three hours to help Malik Willis memorize these last 15 plays, that I'm just using that as, as an example. That doesn't mean that he won't be a decent teammate to him. And there's a difference between the two. Um, so I think some people have been blowing this out of proportion. I understand that Tannehill kind of comes across as petty. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with Tannehill, but I also don't think it's this big. Um, I, I think it's, I think there's people are creating something when there probably isn't much of anything um in that sense i don't think it's that big of a deal but i don't i don't get why this was even said was he asked hey are you going to mentor this kid and if that's the case he could have answered hey i'm going to be a great teammate um, i think i saw in that same yahoo sports article that he uh, texted malik after he got drafted like right as he got drafted which i think is a pretty normal thing nowadays for quarterbacks to do when someone gets drafted to their team. But I'm, I'm curious why this was even put out there because it could have been a complete non-story and no one could have known what was, what was happening. Like, I don't, I don't, I feel yeah. like this wasn't a question that I had really coming in. Cause of course, Tannehill is the clear cut starter going into this year. Yeah. I think I agree with you. I also think that Tannehill 
<clears throat> I mean, if he didn't want to answer, I mean, it's one of those things where by answering the question the way that he did, he created more of a story than there. <clears throat> so in that sense, even if that's how he felt, I mean, you could have answered that in so many different ways. Um, yeah, there was, I, it's just very peculiar for a guy that's 32, 33, been in the league for a long time, knows exactly how this game is played. He was, he was a young quarterback that came into this league. And it's just really weird. It's almost like we caught Ryan Tannehill at like a, a bad day or something where he was kind of maybe a little irritable, maybe the, the tea leaves. I saw the AJ um, Brown thing pissed him off, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like he was pretty upset by that, which is totally understandable. And it seemed like um, maybe he wasn't quite in the loop of the fact that the Titans were looking to draft a quarterback. That might have been caught on by a little bit of a surprise. But I mean, we saw, I feel like Aaron Rodgers handled the Jordan Love situation better than this. And that could have been way bigger. And that's a dude that has the reputation of causing conflict and speaking his mind, but even he didn't voice, like, I feel like there's no, I, we don't know what's going on, but I feel like there's nothing wrong between him and Jordan Love. But now there's this sort of rocky start with Tannehill and a guy he barely even knows, which is super unfortunate for them going into OTAs in the off season. Yeah. It just creates unwanted, not unwanted, but more unnecessary attention. Um, for the team and just drama that doesn't need to be there right now. I mean, you're you're supposed to be focusing on the beginning of the season, really, and now you have this looming over your head. So, and people asking, you know, you question, you know, if you're Tannehill. I mean, and even if you're Malik, I mean, think about how awkward of a situation that is for Malik if they ask him, oh, so what are your thoughts about Tannehill? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to him for questions. Like. I'm not, I'm not going to ask him what the read is on this play. Like, what are the priorities yeah. and um, the progressions? I think I, – I just don't – I just don't get this move for this team right here. I don't, I don't get as the presumable face of the franchise that he's going to make that comment. It's just it, – it reminds me of the, the meme of where it's like it's no one – and then Ryan Tannehill just says this out of nowhere. It's like, whoa, no one asked. That was totally yeah. unwarranted, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? I'm sure that it'll go away relatively soon, but that was something that came out earlier in the week that I know got a lot of attention, and we definitely needed to talk about it because I get on the surface level that Tannehill comes across as a little petty right there, but at the same time, he honestly has every right to. Should he? Should he have gone about it in a different way? Yeah, probably. But honestly, he's probably just saying what a lot of quarterbacks <laughs> or a lot of players think. If somebody's drafting, um, I mean, if somebody gets drafted to your position, it's like I don't want to help that guy. That's my job. Um, so I mean, I get it from that sense, but I, he definitely could have handled it a different way. So. All right, well, moving on from the NFL, we do have to touch on the NBA playoffs. Now, as it stands right now, this we're filming on Wednesday. So on Tuesday, the Boston Celtics, actually, 
you know what? The Boston Celtics and the um, Milwaukee Bucks and the Grizz Warriors series actually won't pick up until Saturday. So this episode is going to get released um, before then as well. So that series is now tied one to one. The Bucks handled the Celtics in game uh, one. The Celtics handled the Bucks in game two. And then the Grizzlies ended up beating the Warriors 106 to 101 in game two. But I want to talk about not the Warriors' second game yet. I want to go back to that first game because, again, just like the Ryan Tannehill thing and a bigger story being created than it actually probably needed to be, there was that Draymond Green ejection in game one that that had a lot, I mean, that drew a lot of airtime, you know, the days preceding that. And I don't know. I I mean, for those of you who <clears throat> maybe haven't seen the play, Draymond Green ended up getting ejected from the game uh, for, for a flagrant two. They said that he wound up, and he, I can't remember who he hit the face. Um, uh, Clark. Brandon Clark. Was it Clark? Yeah. Um, he got hit in the face, and then he kind of pulled his jersey down but as he was pulling him, he kind of tried to catch him towards the end. It was, it was a really quick bang-bang play. But after that play was over, I'm curious, what did you think after seeing that play? Because to me, to me, I honestly didn't think it was enough to warrant an ejection from the game. Yeah, I think it, it definitely comes with you gotta know the character that the player that is. And this is Draymond's, I think, biggest like story in this playoffs because it's he's feeling like a victim of um biased officiating yeah. towards himself because he has that reputation, like you say, of being sort of a not a dirty player, but a hard hitting, hard fouling, little gritty, confrontational, get in your face, doesn't have the best relationship, I think, with officiating in some way. And um, we've seen it a couple times now in these playoffs. And then the first series um, against, who the heck did they beat? It was, uh, who did they beat? Oh, Denver. Against Denver, Denver yes. he got he got a little bit of player foul trouble. And then this foul which I couldn't get a good look at it It almost like I kept getting a behind the back view um, so I couldn't see the initial like face shot but he did kind of wind up a little bit and it seemed like a little little bit of a volleyball spike going into Brandon Clark's face where he was trying to swipe the ball and then for me the the tug just makes it look really awkward because that's so non-basketball move and from hearing his explanation on, he went on uh, the TNT countdown and talked to uh, Shaq, Kenny, Chuck, everyone, and was saying that he was trying to make sure that Brandon Clark didn't get an and one because he initially fouled him and then held to make sure he didn't get the and one. And he was jumping away from the basket. And as he's holding, that's what drags Brandon Clark down out of the air. But when I watched it, it, it definitely looks like he is dragging him down. It's not like his momentum, for, for me, from watching it, it doesn't seem like his momentum of jumping is the thing that is bringing Brandon Clark out of the air down. It's almost like uh, he's pulling him down, is what it looks like, really, on the video when I saw it. And 
I think it, I think it warrants a flagrant too, just because it's so unnatural. Like it's not a basketball play. When you like that would be so dirty if you went to any court in any gym and just grabbed the guy by his shirt collar and pulled him down in the air. That's starting a fight. Like that definitely is. I mean, that's what I got from that. And um, <laughs> it, I would like to hear you talk about the um, the Dylan Brooks foul. In game two as well like are we gonna have ejections every single game in this series because that's what we're kind of on a trend well so so i'm i'm kind of glad you disagree with the with me on this because we can debate it a little bit but i <clears throat> i think i think the two things that played into that foul yes was they said it was a wind up and then two the jersey tug from the angles that I saw, it didn't look much of like a windup. It more looked like he was already, I mean, when you go for a block, you don't just kind of shoot your arm straight up in the air. You kind of wind up anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you don't come way back here and do a full-blown volleyball spike, but you kind of wind up a little bit, unless your hands are already up and you just kind of jump. So, But that's I not trying think, to block the ball. Like, he was trying to strip it. Right, right. So I think if you're going for a block anyway, you're going to wind up. Um even if your intent is going for the ball, um, I I feel like if you're gonna if you're going to say that Draymond wound up and hit Clark in the face, then I feel like it has to be very clear and obvious. And to me, and again, that's subjective, but I mean the uh, the way. I, I can't think of a better way to put it. Greeny talked about it uh, on his radio show, and he said it's just like the way that the um, so I think it was the Supreme Court um, uh, when they when they talk about pornography, uh, you'll know it when you see it. I don't think that to me, I don't see it. I don't see a clear and definitive windup. So the fact that they saw that that was take one against him, and then yes, I think the jersey tug looks way worse. Um, than the hit to the face but I think if you take away that clear intent that they were talking about with the slap to the face then I think it just becomes a flagrant one I think that jersey tug just warrants a flagrant um, one if he had zero contact with his face I'm all good with a flagrant one but to call it a flagrant two I think the hit to the face sort of added to that and I don't think that that was enough to say that that was clear I mean People get hit in the face all the time when you go for blocks. I mean, especially if you're playing high school basketball. I mean, I got slapped this in the face is all the time. Different. This is officially oh, different than because of all the cameras. I get angles. it. No, I get it. But still, it's like, I feel like it has to be very clear. And to me, the windup wasn't clear enough. Therefore, that just jersey tug would have been enough to say, for me, flagrant one, and that's it. Um, I think... So especially during the regular season, I think the NBA has set this precedent of any contact to the face, even incidental or attempting to go for the ball, anything like that almost results in a player one by default. And you see a lot of teams are asking for replays when guys get contacted, however light, however hard in the face, because refs and the league are almost willing to give that as a player one. So if they're continuing that trend and calling it, pre- I think that they're calling it pretty consistent. If there is that contact to the head area, 
then I think it, that warrants a flagrant one. And then the subsequent pulling down after, I think is super kind of a dangerous play almost to where um, if he just lets Clark go, there's not going to be any contact down to the floor where Clark is out of control. So I think that's a pretty dangerous play, which might, which I think further warrants a flagrant too. I think it's pretty justified. I think it's kind of, I think if Draymond had it, did it differently, he wouldn't have done it that way. Well, I also think in the moment he realized sort of what was happening and he did sort of, he tried to break Clark's fall. Um, Once he, so that to me, like he probably, it's tough to say whether or not he intended to yank him down the way that he did. Um, But as it was happening, it did appear that he sort of had the realization to know what was going on. And he did try to break his fall. Um, So I, I don't know. To me, I've seen harder fouls that don't get that kind of, um, that don't get that kind of um, call. And, you know, to talk about the the Dylan Brooks one. um, So, yeah, I mean, I know you mentioned that this series has had two back-to-back ejections and that Dylan Brooks one, I'm just, I'm rewatching it again right now. And I do think that actually this one is now seeing it again. I do think that this one is, worse than the Draymond one um and I think it's worse because I think the I think the reason why it looks worse to me on the surface is because it appears Brooks doesn't I mean he kind of jumps to contest it but I feel like if you're going for a chase down block I mean we've seen John Moran we've seen LeBron James do chase down blocks and when you do it you really have to jump almost extra high because you have to get you have to get the ball in midair as opposed to uh, and kind of over the rim almost um, like really high up on the backboard. And Brooks just kind of does this little bunny hop off the ground, and his arm when he starts is way back here. So I think the fact that he comes from here and goes like this, and combined with the fact that he barely jumped I think that's really what makes it worse than Draymond's because it looks much more obvious that he didn't go for the ball yeah it's a weird I think it's definitely a very weird play I think it's in his mind I think it's the same as in Draymond's mind taking that foul to stop a guaranteed bucket but I think the way Brooks and this hurts as a as a guy that graduated from Oregon and did so many big things for there but (laughs) Man, I think it's it's a I think it's a little bit of a boneheaded play. I mean, I'm looking at the definition of a flagrant two, right? And I think the two areas where it is is you're making contact in a way that is unnecessary and excessive. I think this is completely unnecessary of a contact. He's like you said, not giving a good attempt of getting the ball, right? Uh, Gary Payton, this the second is already by everyone wide open already in the air gonna get a clear bucket maybe dunk it and brooks comes out of nowhere almost kind of underneath him gets sort of swipes at the arms but ultimately hits his elbow on uh gary payton's head and i think that's what adds the excessive element 
of this. I think it it definitely wholeheartedly is a flagrant two foul. And I think it's just like the Draymond thing. I wouldn't, why is Brooks putting himself in that situation to begin with? I think it's the biggest, biggest mistake for me when looking at these two plays. So if you're looking, so there's a camera angle that I'm finding and it's uh, from the baseline, like right underneath the play. And as you're watching Brooks run, it's hard to tell how much actual push off he gets, but when Brooks's right arm is right here, his left hand comes at the back of Gary Payton's back and kind of, kind of pushes him a little bit almost like kind of twisting him it's weird because it's tough to tell it's tough to tell from the video exactly how um how much push off he does get but it does appear that he kind of not only does he hit him but he kind of pushes his back which would twist uh gary payton just a little bit um yeah i think that i think that one's dirtier than than uh than the dream one one i don't know if he intended to necessarily hurt him the way that i i'm gonna i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't mean to hurt gary payton um i don't think that was the intent i think you know a pretty tough foul um was the intent but the outcome of that i don't think is is what he you know what he was intending but i mean if you're gonna go for a foul like that i mean if you want to commit a hard foul in my opinion like that you need to go after the ball and then if you hit him with your body then that's just a consequence of going for the ball but at least make an effort to go block it as opposed to just running right at the ball i think there's one of the if there was an unwritten rule in the nba I feel like fouling a guy when he's already in the air going for a wide open dunk is that one unwritten rule. We've seen uh, the last, I think it was the last year that Harrison, that uh, Matt Barnes played. And no, no, Vince Carter last year when he played with the Kings, guy has a wide open, I forget the guy that had a wide open dunk, but Vince comes way late while the guy's already in the air and sort of undercuts him. Right. And the guy loses his, it might have been Derek Jones Jr., but it doesn't matter. Like that was caused a little bit of a skirmish and everyone was going at him because Vince should know better. Right. I feel like that's sort of a collective understanding by everyone of, hey, if that guy's got a wide open dunk, let's all take care of everyone here and not go for that guy because that's where he's most dangerous. Like that's where injuries can really arise there. And we see it happen. I mean, that's, that's why I think is really sort of telling about this play. Yeah, it's playoff basketball, and you want to – you can't give up easy easy points, but you just did. Like, he is behind everyone on your defense. And then you're going to go try to push him out of the way. Like, do we do we think Brooks is going for a block there? I don't think so. I think he's going for a foul. I don't think so either. Not right? after not after watching it um, uh, a couple times. Not Not anymore. I think – I think quickly because I was watching the I was watching the game when it happened and um, but I was also doing homework <laughs> um, so I didn't get a clear look at it but I actually I slowed it down and watched it back like four or five times at like half speed and yeah it it looks pretty bad <laughs> and are we gonna see later in this series some some vengeance almost 
where it gets a little more chippy and we see some more pretty harsh fouls. Maybe. Hopefully not. I mean, because you'd hate to see more people get hurt like that. Yeah. As a consequence. No one wants to, I don't, it sucks that um, it seems like Gary Payton's out, expected to be out at least three weeks. So he might even, he might even miss all the rest of the playoffs because of this. Which would be, they go. Which would be, which would be awful. I mean, that would suck if this guy misses another chance to play in the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. Which is a possibility for Golden State. Yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. And, but at the same time, I think it also has added a lot of intrigue for this series. I think this series is the mu- is like the must watch at this point, even more so than Boston. Uh, I don't know. So that's a good segue into just kind of talking about the playoffs real quick uh, as a whole for the last five or 10 minutes. Um, so yeah, we can, let, let's start with the Warriors Grizzlies one. I, I mean, the fact that the Grizzlies, the fact that the Gri- Grizzlies won that game without Dylan Brooks and then lost the game where Draymond Green got kicked out, and Steph also didn't have a great game that game, and Clay didn't have a great game uh, in game one. I mean, he had a he had he had a very he had a good game, uh, but I mean, he didn't have you know a Steph Curry thirty five point ten you know threes in that game, and Clay only had fifteen. Plus, he missed those. Um, free throws at the end and when you have John Morant who gives you 34 10 and 9 to lose that game when Draymond gets ejected and to win the game where you lose Dylan Brooks I just find to be honestly to me the Grizzlies should be up 2-0 in this series right now um because the fact that you, losing that game I mean Jaw, think about it I mean he misses the layup at the end but if that goes in, the Grizzlies are up 2-0 right now, um, heading back to San Francisco. So, I don't know. Like, I I can't get a gauge on that series, and I sure as hell can't get a gauge on this Bucks celtics series either because that first game, the Bucks were completely dominant. And then that second game, the Celtics just whacked them. So... Yeah, I think that's what happens when two good teams come meet. I mean, Boston and uh, Milwaukee could feasibly, either team could win the championship this year with how well they're playing. I think that's the most, oh, doy statement I can make. But it's like, it's awesome that these two teams are playing each other in in the second round. And for the Warriors Memphis series, Honestly, I think the Warriors are returning to form of what that dynasty team looked like pre-Kevin Durant with how unwavering and you can't really knock them off. They're always going to be there. It took a historic game from John Morant for them to win. And even, even with the Warriors maybe not playing at their best, they were still right in it. You're not going to kill them. Like you're not going to just blow them out of the game with how deep that team is, especially with the emergence of Jordan Poole as a guy that can go and maybe even get you 30 in a game. And Steph seems like he's kind of rounding a little bit in a form and Clay's getting a little more confidence. Um, I just think this is the, the Warriors series to win. I, I see them winning in five or six. And then the Bucks, Boston, I don't see that going anything other than the seventh. There's no way. 
Yeah, I don't. I think that goes seven. I think um, in terms of the other series, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the Heat won tonight. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if they sweep Philly. Um, it it all depends on Joel Embiid's health, and maybe it's too late. No, he's out. That, he's out. Oh, he's out. He's, he's out. Yeah, they're done. No, Philly's yeah, done. No, they're done. James, this they're is done. exposing James Harden a little bit. And if you're Brooklyn, you're like, yes, I don't even care if Ben Simmons has, doesn't suit up. At least we don't have James Harden on this team playing that shitty yeah. defense. Yeah. the The last that I heard this morning was that he was out. He fractured his orbital socket. <laughs> um. So, and he also had the thumb injury as well. So he's, even if he decided to stitch himself together and play, he's going to be a shell of himself just because he's going to be dealing. But I don't, I don't think you can feasibly go out there and play with a, a the fractured mask. orbital socket. Maybe. Joel and um, with the mask. Mask and beat. The last that I heard this morning was that he was out for the series. So I'm operating under that assumption based on uh, what I heard from ESPN this morning. But maybe, maybe he decides, um, decides to pull up um, a mask game. Yeah. Maybe if they they get a win, he says, hey, you know what? Let, let me try. But if they lose game three, I think you just shut them down. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely think the Heat are going to sweep that series. And if they don't, then I don't think it goes more than five. Currently, right now, the Mavericks are up on the Suns, 51 to 47. But I don't see the Suns having any real issues with the Mavericks. I... <laughs> I mean, it was fun. it's funny coming from that conversation with Josh where I'm bigging up Jalen Brunson and Spencer Didwee, and then game one they go out and play the worst they've probably played this whole season. Oh man, they yeah. And I mean, I just, know Josh's it was a seven point were, game, but Josh's words were ringing true of like, do you really trust Brunson <laughs> as your number two? And it's like, man, he was right. Josh was right. Well, I mean, just to go off of. The game one stats for Phoenix, I mean, they had one, two, three, four, five, six guys in double figures, and Cameron Payne had nine. So, I mean, you had Bridges with 13, Crowder with, with you know, 13 for Bridges is um, sort of an off night for him, although he did have four assists and seven rebounds, but he'll give you more on a night, night, on a night to night basis. Although, if he's not giving you points, you know for a fact he's giving you great defense. Crowder had 11. Aiden's been money. He had 25. Booker had 23. Paul had 19. Cameron Johnson had 17. Um, so the Suns are just they're, – they're a machine right now. Um, and, you know, Booker had that hamstring injury, so I'm sure that first game for him coming back was kind of a – not a warm-up game for him, but okay, I got to get back into kind of playoff shape, and I'm sure in the second game um, – He's feeling it better than that first game. So I don't see the Mavericks giving the Suns any real long-term troubles. Maybe they take them to six, but I, my guess was that it goes five games and the Suns have uh, have time to rest for the Warriors-Grizzly series. Because honestly, I know you said that you think that the Warriors win that series in five. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like I said, the Grizzlies were one second away and a missed John Morant layup for being up 2-0 on the Warriors right home. now. I know it's at home. Um, the Warriors just took home court. That's huge. No, I get it. I get it. But there's no reason that the Grizzlies couldn't do the same thing. It's it's at, I was just about to say it's at Oracle. It's at Chase. 
that Chase? <laughs> Legendary Chase Arena, Chase Center. I can't even. I don't even know the name of it. Well, it but feels weird saying San Francisco. <laughs> that place is going to be popping oh, for yeah. this team. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, but if you're, isn't it, if you're, isn't it a little worrisome if, for Phoenix's point of view that it seems like Luca can against a really good defensive team that can throw Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridges, a bunch of different dudes at Luca to defend them? He goes for 45 in a near triple double the first game, and he's playing pretty well as we're recording this in game two. Maybe, maybe. Um, I think if you're Phoenix. You obviously have to do your best to just throw as many guys as you can at Luca, but if Luca, if Luca is going to get his, then you have to be damn sure that Brunson doesn't get going. Um, so he's, he's feel, not. He's not right yeah. now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but so D- give Dinwiddie me, is playing well. Give me your Eastern and Western Conference uh, finals right now before we uh, before we log off. I know that the next time our show comes on. Um, we're probably not going to be there yet, yeah. but we'll be close. Yeah, we'll get it. I, this is kind of unfair because we already know a couple games in hand. I think Fine. easy Miami makes it to the Eastern, and I'm going to take the Bucks. I think they find a way. Even this series would be, I think, a little bit easier to judge if Chris Middleton was healthy the whole time because I think the Bucks handle. Boston a little bit better than what they're doing now, obviously because Boston's a great team. But I think just I'm respecting the heck out of Giannis and his ability and his greatness really in the playoffs. So I take I take them to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think Giannis has asserted himself as the best player in the league. Um, however, however, I will take Boston and. I don't do that. I mean, to me, this series is a coin flip. I mean, if if Milwaukee wins, be like, yeah, sure, makes sense. And if Boston wins, like, yeah, I mean, I I can totally see it. But I feel like the Bucks kind of came out and surprised the Celtics a bit um, in in that game one. I think game two was the Celtics turning around and going, okay, hang on, <laughs> let's let's take a step back here and. Uh, let it, let us show you what we what we really can do and how uh, and how we're really going to handle this. And they adjusted well, um, just in terms of defense. I mean, they gave up 101 points in the first game, and then they gave up 86 um, in game two. I imagine that they split in Milwaukee, and then I think it goes game seven, and then I think the Celtics win at home, um, and then you have. Uh, and then you have Boston and Miami um, in the Eastern Conference. And then I think the Warriors and the Suns would be my pick for the Western. I feel like that's probably going to be yours as well, right? Yeah, as much uh, smoke that I can blow up Dallas's ass, I'm going to definitely <laughs> take Phoenix a little yeah. bit. I think because I think it's it's definitely reassuring how well Devin Booker has come back. Even if this isn't him at 100%, he's still found the ability to put up enough. And I think – Chris Paul has just been magical, I think, in these playoffs, yeah. really. I think at his age and what he's been able to do, um, just, just like what I said with about Giannis last week, it just seems like he knows the exact time to score and really turn it on to control the game. And I think that is so huge for that Phoenix team. 
Well, whatever matchup we get in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, um, I mean, I feel like it's going to be – I mean, those two series are just going to be amazing. I mean, I can't imagine what a Miami-Boston series or a Miami-Milwaukee – sorry, Philadelphia, but neither one of those things you're getting there. Um, and even if the Grizzlies did end up winning, I mean, Grizzlies-Suns would be – Great. I mean, that's the one and two seed right there in the uh, in the Western Conference Finals. So, whatever matchups we get, it's going to be a great, great Final Four. So, um, anything else that you have uh, on your mind? <clears throat> Sorry, just got a problem. Obi Wan trailer looked really good. Finally, we got something for that, and it's coming out at the end of this month. So. That's going to be awesome. Re-up on your Disney Plus subscriptions if you're not even, if you're not still subscribed to them. And uh, I just can't wait for that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, happy May the 4th to everybody um, as well. Um, give me, we can do a review of Moon Knight um, next week. I haven't seen the latest episode. It came out today. It's be too we'll late. We'll give every, it won't be too late. Got to give everybody a little bit of time to see it. Um, One week removed. We got to give some people um, who don't watch it this week, the ability to watch it. Um, So we can do a review of Moon Knight next week. So far, honestly, for me, I haven't watched the last episode, but I think it's been one of Marvel's best shows. Um, So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. We can, uh, I know you and I, we picked um, Wanda and Loki as our two favorite Disney shows so far. Um, so next week we can sort of throw those three together and uh, see kind of where those. I mean, I don't know what you think in comparison to the other shows, but I feel like it's better Moon than Knight has kind of been. Yeah, I feel like it's it's and Falcon and Winter Soldier, right? Better than yeah, that one as well. It definitely yeah. is. Okay, yeah. So you know, those three we can talk about next week. If, yeah, I guess we we don't even have to bring it up, but I think it definitely helps the fact that this is a shorter length. I agree. So you don't have those dull because I feel like uh, Winter Soldier, Falcon and Winter Soldier definitely needed to chop a couple of those episodes. Definitely Hawkeye did because that thing took forever to get going. Even episode five of Moon Knight, I mean that. Um, I know there wasn't any action in it, but that that honestly may have been my favorite episode. Um, it was a hard episode to watch um, in, in some in some points, but that may have been my favorite one so far. So Bree and I will watch episode six tonight, and then obviously uh, we can throw it in next week if we uh, we have time. So, do you want to try to watch um, Doctor Strange before next week? I uh, Bree and I are seeing it on Friday. Okay, I'll try to watch it. I think Monday. Sounds good. So. Early. We can make a we can make Wednesday a Marvel episode. <laughs> Just a nice big boom plaster that Marvel right in front. There we go. There we go. All right. Well, happy May the Fourth to everybody. Um, we hope you have a wonderful pretend holiday. Um, and uh, oh, here oh, I'll grab my I'll grab my lightsaber for the end. <laughs> <laughs> you look so proud of yourself. Look, mommy. I know. I this is my lightsaber. I built it, although the battery's out. So right, I can't turn it on at the moment. 
<laughs> which oh. is unfortunate which is unfortunate for the production value of our show but okay um <laughs> all right have a wonderful day uh we will see you all next week and uh yeah toodles yeah may the fourth be with you <laughs>